0: Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you're listening to episode 107 of In the Middle of It, the podcast where parents and teachers can find ideas, strategies, and resources for connecting with teens. Hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so excited that you guys are with me today. I'm excited about what we're talking about, and I think it's gonna be super fun. Now, before I get started, some of you may know who've been with me for a while, I don't know if I've actually talked about this on the podcast or not, but I actually come from a really, really big family. And so if you're new, that's something um, about myself that you may not know. And if you've been here, again, I don't know if I've talked about it or not, but in any case, I come from a really big family. In fact, my dad is the youngest of six brothers, and so I have tons and tons of cousins, and um, in fact, probably from about 1985 through 1993, there was at least one cousin graduating every single year. So you can imagine that when we did get together for, for family gatherings, for holiday gatherings, it was just one crazy mess of kids running around for several years there, and we all are spread out all over Texas, and then one brother and his family lived in Indianapolis, and so it wasn't often that we all were able to get together to celebrate, for instance, Christmas. But when we did, it was so much fun. And I, um, I'm i kind of in the middle of all of that stack of cousins. So I graduated in 90. So if that gives you an idea, there were, you know, I had five cousins ahead of me and a few below me. And so anyway, just a lot of fun. And we're still fairly close. Like, So we are connected on Facebook and we sometimes get together. So anyway, all that to say that when I was growing up, one of my favorite cousins, and you guys know you're all my favorites, but I really looked up to and still look up to my cousin Joy and she's three years older than I am and so when I was in high school she was already in college and the university that she went to is one that that many people from my family went to. In fact my parents met at this university my grandmother went there in the 1920s. My dad's mom went there. And so it's a university in Abilene, Texas called Abilene Christian University. And so that is where my cousin Joy went. And I think it was probably her freshman year of college and my probably sophomore year of high school. And the youth group that I was a part of would go up, Um, It was probably a nine-hour drive from where I grew up to Abilene, and we would always go up and do what they called high school day, and it was just a lot of fun, and there were activities and speakers and things like that, and I was so excited that particular year because I was able to hang out with my cousin Joy, who was there at university, and so I just remember being there with her and being in her dorm room, and I can't remember the exact things that happened. But, but this is one of those moments that just, it was, it was a moment of truth. What I like to call like a moment of truth for me, because it was very defining in how I viewed the world. And it was just this lightning bolt moment. And what happened was, it's not a huge deal at all. And Joy, if you're listening, you probably don't even remember, I don't know. But I remember that there was a girl on her hallway who was kind of snotty to us as we walked by or something like that. And I remember saying to Joy when we got back to her room, like, man, she's really, that was kind of nasty. And and Joy said something along the lines of, Well, you know what? Not everybody's gonna like me and that's okay. And I just remember thinking, What? Like not everybody's gonna like you. Like that's the goal, right? And that was kind of the beginning of my journey of recovering from being a people pleaser because until that point, It was all about making sure everyone liked me. And so, and that was really crippling, right? Because when somebody didn't, then I had so much of my brain power working on, well, why don't they like me? And how can I get them to like me? And what can I do? And, and all of those kinds of things that in retrospect and knowing what I know now are super unhealthy, but when you are a people pleaser, and I know many of us are, that is your mindset, And I'm starting with that story today because it really fits in well with what we're talking about. So just hang with me. I'm going to circle back to it later on in the podcast. So hold on to it for a second. Just remember me, sophomore in high school, probably 15 or 16 years old with my awesome older cousin and realizing, oh, wow, you you don't have to try to make everybody like you. So hold on to that. What we're talking about today on the podcast is interacting with your students' parents. And my question, and I have several that I just want you to be thinking about as we're talking, is does it really matter if you get along well with the parents of your students? And why are parent-teacher interactions often so tense? Now, in the last episode, what we talked about is how your organizational skills are going to increase student engagement and performance. And today, we're talking about how those relationships, those parent-teacher relationships, affect student learning, and do they? I would say they absolutely do. So I would say that parent communication, whether it's positive or negative, really does have a direct impact on student learning. So if you're struggling with those interactions with your students' families, does that really matter? And I'm sure you're not surprised to hear me say that, yes, yes, it does really matter. And here's why. And and I think if you think about your own experiences, if you don't have children yourself yet, if you think about your own interactions with teachers and the ones who had a relationship with your family, whether it was positive or negative, I want you to think back and think about, did those have an impact? For me, it absolutely did. And here's why. I knew that the teachers that I had that were in contact with my parents, there was a level of accountability there because I knew at any point they could be communicating and talking about things. So it really, I had that awareness in my mind that there was communication going on and therefore I had to be congruent, right? I had to have integrity in that. Like I couldn't do one thing in class and say one thing to my parents. Like I knew there was accountability there. And when there was a positive relationship there, that was very healthy for me. And I knew that those teachers cared enough to interact with my parents and to to call me on things if I needed it. But also, and again, remember the people pleasing thing, I really wanted my teachers to say good things to my parents, right? Again, I very much wanted to please my parents. I tried to perform well, do well in my classes. Like I wanted that positive affirmation. So that had a huge impact because I knew that those teachers would be in contact with my parents. I wanted them to say great things. Now, if you flip that, if I had a teacher who maybe had Tangled with my parents and not that I can remember a whole lot of those, but there was a different tone at home. Which I have to say, my parents were really great about, you know, you had, regardless of how your teachers are acting, it is your responsibility to be respectful and to follow their instructions and to follow the classroom rules and things like that. So there was accountability there as well, but there was also kind of some understanding there if my parents knew that things were tough in the classroom and if they knew that that particular teacher was a little off or uh, negative or or whatever and I would say for me that and I'm thinking of one teacher in particular where I, I really did it affected my learning and I was very um, I would say obnoxious in class and in questioning this particular teacher about what my you know how she was instructing us and I was having trouble understanding things and so I was probably <laughs> Not probably, I was a little belligerent with her about that, but I also knew that my parents knew that, and so that gave me a little bit more boldness with this particular teacher because their interactions with her had not been as pleasant. So if you've had that kind of experience as a student yourself, you get that. If you are a parent and your kids are of school age, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about because you know that your child responds to your energy towards different people. So it, it absolutely affects things. Now as the teacher, I also think that, problems with difficult parents can directly impact your interactions with those students. So if you have a student whose parents have been confrontational or negative towards you or complained or or any of your interactions have been tense, that can affect how you treat that student. And and I would ask, and I'm asking myself this too is is that fair? Is that fair to that kid to Treat them differently, or and and maybe you're not treating them differently. Maybe it's just that feeling that you have, that energy that you have towards them. So you're saying all the you know all the right things and doing all the right things, but there is definitely um, a difference, maybe in the energy that you have towards them. And kids can sense that. We can sense that when somebody has a different energy towards us that's maybe not as positive as we would like. So I would challenge you: How can you avoid that bias that can creep in with dealing with that child of a difficult parent. Honestly, as middle schoolers, especially, and whether you teach what, whatever level you teach at elementary, middle, high school, these are still just kids and they are a product of their environment. So is it fair to treat them differently because of who, of how you've interacted with their parents? Now I would say one way to avoid that is to make sure that you have a proactive approach to teaching that puts relationships first. So if you are proactively putting relationships first, that is gonna help in this whole idea of how you treat students, regardless of how their parents interact with you. And being proactive involves initiating contact with parents instead of waiting for them to contact you. You really don't wanna be in the position of just reacting to the things that parents are asking you or in extreme cases complaining about, right? So you wanna be proactive. And I would say for any given school year, as soon as you can initiate positive contact with parents, right? So whether that is a letter introducing yourself and kind of laying out some of the um, expectations and classroom procedures and what to expect for the year and, and you know all those kinds of things, That would be a a great minimum place to start. I would also say interacting with parents on a more personal granular level and sending them, it doesn't even have to be that long and it can be a template of, hey, I just want to let you know I'm so enjoying Joe in my class and um, he's doing great and You know, I'm looking forward to getting to know him and your family better. You know, whatever that is. So the sooner you can do that, the better it is. And and I know that as teachers, you know, within the first few days, you really can start to see kids' energies shaking out. I know I'm using that word a lot in this episode, but you really can get a glimpse into the kids who. Yes, you're in your honeymoon period in the first two or three weeks of school but you can kind of feel which ones are maybe going to be more challenging or um, rambunctious or, and maybe rambunctious isn't the right word, but you guys know what I mean. Like you can kind of, can kind of hone in on those kids. And I would say, start with them, start your positive notes home to parents with them. And I bring up positive notes home to parents because that is a resource that I've created several episodes ago. So I will link to that and my show notes at theishgirl.com forward slash EP 107. So you can go there and download that if you like that resource. But anyway, start with those kids where you may be have a little red flag with them because the sooner you have that positive interaction then if you have to have any other kinds of interaction it will have cushioned that a little bit and those parents will know that you really care about their student and they're not hearing from you for the very first time on something that's maybe a little more challenging or confrontational. Okay now if you are a new teacher Getting into that proactive position with parents can be really challenging. So here are just a few things to keep in mind if you are new and you want to do that, or maybe you've been in the classroom for a little bit, and this is just a good refresher and reminder. So number one, you need to set those expectations from the beginning. And this goes back to what I talked about last week about creating systems, because when you have thought things through and have it down on paper, like when homework will be routinely due, or you know what your homework, homework expectations are for students, maybe you can create a form like a homework expectation form that parents and students need to sign at the beginning of the year. So that takes planning and organization, so being organized, planning ahead, setting expectations. Now, if you're new, You don't have to create this from scratch. I would say find a safe colleague that is more experienced than you and be vulnerable with someone who is safe and is comfortable with your questions, right? And talk to them and ask if they have a resource like that that you can use. Most teachers are really great about sharing the good ones are, right? You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Utilize and leverage the experience of the colleagues around you, even if it's somebody who's just been teaching for, you know, a couple of years more than you have, they're going to really remember and, and be in the moment of, hey, I just started this too. And here are some of the greatest things I've learned. So I would definitely look out for those people who can help you, who you can go to, because. The first year, it's really hard to prioritize things because you're you're learning through experience. And so you really want to take the shortcuts where you can. So maybe you're not 100% happy with what that email or the language looks like for that particular document that you've borrowed from another teacher. That's okay. Use it for this year and just make a note to revise it over the next summer, before the next school year, or however you want to do it, so that you're prioritizing the things that are super important in that first year, which is mastering the curriculum and forging those relationships with your students and really figuring out where to place your time so that you are making the maximum impact in your classroom. And if you get caught in the weeds of trying to you know, again, reinvent the wheel, then it's going to make it a really frustrating year for you. Okay. So talk to your colleagues and remember that teachers are sharers and think about how you will feel in a couple of years as a more seasoned teacher. I know for me, I loved being able to help somebody who was coming in new and make things a little bit easier for them. And if it was just handing off a piece of paper, oh my goodness, I'm so happy to do that. Okay. So the first thing is to set expectations from the beginning. The second thing would be is to specify your boundaries and boundaries set limits on your time and your emotions and how far you'll extend yourself. And I would say a lot of exhaustion and stress can be from a lack of having those kinds of boundaries with this What I'm talking about is really setting the times that are going to be best for you for meeting with parents or interacting with parents. And it may even, again, it goes back to organization, setting a time each day that you look at your email and you respond. And so saying like, you know, for half an hour at the the beginning of the day, and 15 minutes at the end of the day, I'm going to read and respond to email. And that is great. Like that protects your time so that during your planning times and during your meeting times during the day, you can again, focus on your priorities. Now, this is where I'm circling back to that story with my cousin, Joy. You might be a people pleaser and That means you're going to be super tempted to respond to everyone immediately all the time and be available on their terms. But here's the thing, and this is a twist on one of my favorite Abraham Lincoln quotes You can please all of the people some of the time, some of the people all of the time, but you can't please all of the people all of the time. Now, I think I inserted the word please there. His word was full, so you can fool all the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Well, inserting please in there really is it helps you remember that you cannot please everyone all of the time. Now that does not mean that you flip it and go to the opposite end of things and say, I'm just going to only do things my way and, you know, or the highway that, you know, that kind of attitude, you really want to have a place to meet people in the middle. So I would say one of the biggest things you can do for yourself as a teacher is to let go of that people pleasing part of you. If, if you have that, not everybody has that but I would, I would say many of us do. All right. So setting boundaries with parents might look like this. Instead of telling them you can't meet with them when they want an appointment, you can let them know your availability from the beginning. So it, if you haven't let them know their availability, then they they might call and say, Hey, can we meet on Wednesday at two o'clock? And then you'll have to say, no, I'm in a class at that point. So when you proactively When you let them know from the very beginning that you have office hours at a specific point. So if you say, I can meet on Mondays and Wednesdays, either by phone or in person from nine to 10 o'clock, boom. You have set your window and parents know this is when you're available to give them time, but what happens when somebody steps over your boundary? For example, um, and I know this has happened before, a parent just shows up. They just show up and want to come and chat with you. It's to your benefit to hold the line, and again, this goes back to the people-pleasing. This is not pleasant. It can be confrontational, and and at the worst, a less confrontational situation, but still just as hard to deal with if you're a people-pleaser is them being very disappointed in you and upset and offended and those kinds of things. But you really want to hold that line and say, you know what? I can't meet right now, but here's when I am available. Here's when I would be happy to schedule an appointment for you between nine and 10 on Monday of next week or Wednesday of next week. So you are available. You're meeting in them in the middle, but you're not being taken advantage of. And I would say they're going to respect you, even if they may be annoyed at the time. At least that's what I would hope. And by respect, I don't mean pleased, right? There's, they're still probably going to be annoyed but they will understand that they've come up against your boundary. They've hit your wall and you're serious about holding it. Now, in addition, I, and I mentioned this before, have specific times of the day when you address parent emails and messages. Again, setting time during your day to do that. Half an hour before school, 15 minutes after, like however you want to do that. Maybe you want to address those emails right after students leave, but definitely set a time limit because if you tell yourself you're just going to be doing it for 30 minutes, then that's going to help you. I would even set a timer, set a timer, and when that, you know, bell or alarm goes off, then you move on to do the work that's your priority your next priority. Now, the other really big thing, the third thing as far as being proactive with parents is to show up consistently. What I mean by that is you really need to be prepared for your job. You do not have to be perfect. Oh my gosh, you guys know I'm the ish girl. Perfection is not even a possibility, I think probably for any of us, but you don't have to show up perfectly, but you do need to show up. Your work will be respected if you can show that you are making an effort, you are doing your very best. And right now, during the COVID pandemic, I think if we can all keep that in mind, and I I hope that this is one of those things that carries over once this crisis has finished, is just working to assume that everybody is doing the best that they can. So if you're a parent listening, assuming that those teachers are doing the very best that they can. If you are a teacher listening, assuming that the parents are doing the very best that they can. And that leads right into number four about being proactive, and that would be be optimistic. Assume the best of your parents, of students. I do have a couple of articles where it talks about how sometimes families feel misunderstood about their involvement or lack thereof. So I'm including those in the show notes again at theishgirl.com forward slash EP107. And Really trying to understand where those families are coming from, and there are all kinds of things that are going on behind the scenes in your parents' lives that you probably have no idea about, kind of the same way they have no idea about some of the things that are going on in your life. So really make sure that you're approaching things with that, I would say, compassion and grace while still holding those boundaries. And I'm just going to throw in here, um, this is a conversation that I've had with my friend Tammy quite a bit. I feel like in our society, especially right now when things are super polarized, there, it, it feels like there's this either or of either you're super nice or you're super confrontational but there is this place in the middle where you're being very assertive, I think is the right way I want to put it. So you can be kind, but you're still asking for what you need and you're still holding your boundaries and you can do it without being negative or disrespectful or having that confrontational energy. It can just be very assertive. I I just think that that's the best way to put it. So you're saying, wow, I love that you are really invested in your student's education and their experience here at school with me. Unfortunately, right now is not a time that I can meet with you. I would love to schedule something next week. And that is very different than, no, I can't be with you right now. You know, when my, when my office hours are. So if you want to meet, then it needs to be next week between, you know, those are two, it's, it's the same information, but very different communication styles, right? So, so if you can aim for assertive, which is kind and patient and still holding your boundary, and that is truly an art form. It's an art form to be assertive and kind and hold those boundaries without feeling like you're being a pushover or feeling like you're being a jerk. The fifth thing that you can do to be proactive with parents is to make sure you're investing the time. And again, I've mentioned this quote before in the past couple of episodes which is from Stephen Covey from The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People and what he has said is that with people, fast is slow and slow is fast. And building relationships takes time, but oh my goodness, it is so worth it. If you are starting your relationships with parents positively with those clear expectations, it's really going to help you when you have to have the harder conversations. I assure you that you will be having some hard conversations during the school year. That's just part of things. And so you just kind of have to pull it together, show up as a grown up, and have those hard conversations. But it is so much easier if you have taken the time and the patience to start positively, and I, I have to say, it is difficult. I am, I, this is a simple thing to do, but not easy. So to be able to take the time to make the phone calls, to send out the notes, to be very intentional and deliberate at, at setting up those positive interactions in the beginning it takes the time. It, again, it's well worth it. So taking the time to build the relationships with your students' families will give your students a sense of the partnership that you have with them. And this goes back to what I was saying about my own experience with my teachers. I knew that many of them were partners with my parents. Again, that motivated me to learn and I knew that I had support. it connected things it connected my school life and my home life in a way that it, it was like a safety net. so I would also say that you want to assume that they want to be involved and then consider what might be keeping them from it and Again, this goes back to we don't know what's going on in people's lives. It requires a lot of empathy, and again, I have articles that relate to this um, in my show notes if parents aren't responding, if parents aren't showing up in the way that you want them to show up to support their students, don't assume the worst. Because again, many, many things can be going on. So number six, the next thing is emotionally meeting families right where they are. You really have to have a lot of empathy to be able to do that. You have to ask questions and you have to share. And this is a quote from one of those articles that I mentioned. Keep in mind that what may seem like reluctance doesn't always mean families don't want to be engaged in their child's education. Many families would love to be more involved, but some families may face significant barriers like unpredictable work schedules or immigration concerns. For other families, their past experiences may make them feel that the school itself is creating the barriers. Reaching all families begins with meeting them where they are emotionally. They may have varied feelings about family school partnerships or have other priorities like health issues in their lives. So I think that really encapsulates what I was trying to say here, where there's all kinds of stuff, people are doing their best, and so having an empathy rather than a snap judgment to, you know, oh my gosh, like they They just don't want to be involved or they don't care or whatever it is. You really want to proactively choose to have that kind of grace. Okay. Does positive parent teacher relationship affect student learning and engagement? I think just from all that we've talked about, hopefully you agree that yes, it does. And when we can view that relationship as a partnership in our students' learning, it's going to be to our benefit and to our students' benefits. So we really don't wanna give into the limiting beliefs that say parents should be kept at arm's length or are going to judge and criticize you. It might be true, but it might also be a limiting belief. You never know how a parent is gonna respond. So as a new teacher, parent communication can be intimidating. I know this personally oh so well. It can be hard to feel confident, when you're learning this skill, it's though it's going to come with practice. So you don't want to avoid this. You don't want to put it off. You really want to meet it head on because the more you engage with parents, the more of a positive mental bank, you know, making deposits in that positive mental bank of, okay, that wasn't so bad. Once I picked up the phone and made that call or or did that email, the more confidence you're going to have about doing it. It's, it's, It's a snowball effect. And Again, the biggest reason that we want to do this is that teens need both their parents and their teachers to be their mentors. You knew I was going to go there, right? They need us as teachers and they need their parents to be their mentors. And they need to see those mentors working together. And when you take the initiative with parents and show them that you are professional and consistent you're going to begin to build a really strong foundation there. It's going to also bridge the gap you might feel from being new to the job. And in the process, you as a teacher become a more confident communicator. As your stress decreases about communication, more opportunities are going to open up for you to connect with your students. Do you see it's all, all of this stuff is interrelated. So when you are less stressed about parent communication, it means you're less stressed in the classroom, which means, again, like I've talked about in a couple of previous episodes ago. When you have a less stressed classroom, your students are going to be more apt to learn and absorb. It's all interconnected, this ecosystem that you're creating by doing all the things. You are not expected to know it all, especially as a new teacher, even as a teacher in your second and third year or or even beyond. Do not place that burden on yourself of shaming yourself really is, is what I would say. You don't wanna shame yourself because of the things that you don't know. You just pick yourself up, tomorrow's a new day, and you're gonna do it better and different the next time because when you know better, you do better. And then the other thing that I would add here is that it is okay and necessary sometimes to ask for help. Remember that there are colleagues around you who are willing and happy to help, whether it's giving you a word of encouragement or sharing a resource Find those people who you resonate with and build that relationship so that you're able to have that kind of support. If you are someone who needs that kind of help, then I would love to be that person who can help you. And as I've mentioned before, I am putting together a workshop. And if you are interested in joining that workshop, I would love for you to join the wait list to be notified when I open that up and you can do that at theishgirl.com forward slash workshop wait list. And if you go there, you can, you can sign up and I will make sure to get you all the information as soon as I release it. If you want to, you can also just go straight to my show notes page. I'll have a link there to sign up for that work, workshop wait list. And again, The show notes for this week are at theishgirl.com forward slash EP107. And then I would also recommend that you join my email community. I share things there that I do not share anywhere else. Again, if you are one of my people, I feel super comfortable about being vulnerable with you and sharing a few more personal details and stories with you. So I'd love for you to become a part of that and become part of the Ish Girl family. And just another quick reminder, I do have some really great helpful articles in those show notes this week. So please be sure to check those out. I hope you guys have had a great Thanksgiving week. I am super excited to share more about that workshop very soon, so stay tuned. And from an ish girl who is thankful not only for my own teachers that I had growing up who helped me get to where I am today, but I'm also grateful to the teachers in my teens' lives who are making an impact with them every single day. I am so grateful to be in the middle of it together.